For over six years, The Past and the Curious has been winning fans, sharing stories of real people from the past, and making people smile. I'm Mick Sullivan, author of I See Lincoln's Underpants, which is a book about, well, famous people's underwear. You'll find all of those stories and much, much more in the 100 plus episodes of The Past and the Curious that are currently available. Find it in all the usual podcast places. The Past and the Curious with Mick Sullivan. That's me. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So, Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, reader. It's almost time. We are less than a month away from season five of Reading Bug Adventures. We can't wait. Where do you think we'll go? While you're waiting, and especially if you've been spending lots of time indoors this winter, why not check out our subscription box service, Reading Bug Box? Each box is completely unique and personalized by our expert booksellers, by your age and interests, and delivered to your doorstep monthly. Visit readingbugbox.com. Now, today, we continue our author visit series with New York Times bestselling author, Annie Barrows. Many of you know her series, Ivy and Bean, and now she's written a middle grade novel, The Best of Iggy. Want to hear more about it? Okay, here we go. It's time for a Reading Bug Adventures author visit. I am here today with Annie Barrows, the New York Times bestselling author of the Ivy and Bean series, The Magic Half, and many others for kids and grown-ups. And today she's here to talk about her latest middle grade story, The Best of Iggy from Penguin Young Readers Group, which also just debuted on the bestseller list this week. Congratulations. Thank and you very much. Thank you so much for being here, Annie. I'm glad to be here. So we'll talk about Iggy in a few minutes, but The Reading Bug and I have been fans of your work for many years, and both the grown-up and kids' side. And um, we wanted to know if you could tell us a little bit about your career path and what led you to writing in the first place. Well, I didn't start out as a writer. I was, for many years, an editor. Uh, I helped writers write their books, and it took me about 15 years of doing that when I realized that writers were having a lot more fun than editors. And I thought, what the heck am I doing helping these people write a book when I could be writing a book myself? And so I switched. I like that. That's a good, <laughs> an excellent answer. Um, and do you have um, any favorite characters you've written? Oh, I love them all. You know, I love every character I've ever made, even the dreadful ones. I mean, I love Ivy and Bean, but I also love Crummy Matt and Nancy. I love uh, Molly and Miri, my girls from the Magic Half. I, I can't pick. They're all my, my darling babies, and I think they're all wonderful. And they're all very different, too, which I thought was really fun. From younger kids to older kids, they're all different characters. Well, yeah. I mean, a little girl once asked me, why are Ivy and Bean so different? And I said... We'd all die of boredom if people weren't different. That's half the fun of life is figuring out what the heck somebody else wants and is up to. So, of course, they've all got to be different or I would go to sleep and never wake up. 
Yes, all that the opposites attract, right? Yes. So um, I've heard many times that authors write best what they know about already. And I wonder if any of your characters or stories within your books are based on any real people or real events. Oh, well, yes, they are. And some of them I'm not entitled to reveal. But I, I think that for every book I write, there is at the tiny center of it, there's a tiny little kernel of true something that happened. Um, and even in a book like The Magic Half, which is a book about time travel and magic, the thing that's real at the center of it is that those are all the things I always wanted to have happened to me that never did. I went through my entire life waiting for time travel to happen. And finally, I got to be about 45. And I realized it was just too late for me. And the one consolation I could have was to write about it. <laughs> so you've written in um, many different formats, um, even picture books. Um, That's right. And your most recent picture book um, was really interesting to me. Can you tell us a little bit about it? The book is called What John Marco Saw. And that is 100% based on a real event. Uh, a long time ago, I was sitting in my living room looking at the house across the street. Uh, there were so many kids who lived in that house, whole big family lived in that house. A lot of old teen, older teenagers, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, and then one little boy, Junior. And one day Junior was out there in his front yard, and he was just standing there staring at a tree in the front yard, and I was staring at him, wondering why he was staring at the tree. And one by one, he brought out his older brothers, and they all looked at the tree and you know, basically shrugged and went back inside. And Junior just kept staring at that tree, and I kept staring at Junior. And after about a half an hour, that tree fell over. And Junior just started dancing around the tree. And it, it was very clear to me that he had been saying all along, Mom, Dad, Uncle, Aunt, Brother, Sister, that tree's falling over. And they said, Ah, Junior, you're full of nonsense. That's not, not what's happening. And he had been right because he was watching. And that to me is what kids can do better than anything in the world. They can watch. And I felt like, OK, there's a story I got to write someday. <laughs> so the difference between writing a picture book and a chapter book must be pretty big or huge yeah huge it was always something that I wanted to do to write a picture book but I think I think in in chapter book format but to imagine a story to imagine telling a story where I'm only telling half of it that was really hard for me because the other half has to be the pictures and it's not just pictures showing what my words say it has to be that the pictures bring something to the party that the pictures are telling story to all on their own. Mm -hmm. So that was, it was a big trick for me to learn how to be quiet and let the illustrations talk. Yeah. And so The Best of Iggy just released uh, in January 2020. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the most fun book yet. So can you tell us a little bit about this book? This book, uh, The Best of Iggy, is about nine-year-old Iggy Frangi. Uh, he's the hero of the book, but he's not the hero because... He does anything like jump over buildings in a single bound. And it's not even that he's the hero because he does anything good. He's the hero, but he only does bad things in the book. It's basically a book about all the terrible things that Iggy does and all the trouble he gets into for doing them. And this is your first boy character. Yes, I love my boy character. How is this different than writing girls? It is so different. I mean, I don't want to say that boys and girls are terribly different. I, I don't want that to be true, but it is a really different way of writing. Um, be, and maybe it's very specific to Iggy's character, but Iggy is a character who never, ever thinks about the consequences of his actions. And to me, this is, he's part of a great American tradition of being willing to do anything for a laugh, uh, which I think is a, is a, 
characteristic that should be fostered and cherished. Um, he's a he's a great kid. He uh, is full of adventure and spirit, and he's I think he's totally hilarious. But he's just not like a girl. Mm-hmm. It was very different to write him. And why do you think Iggy acted the way he did? I think Iggy acts for different reasons, and a lot of it is just the spirit of the moment. He doesn't plan things out. Things just sort of happen when Iggy's around. He'll never say no to an impulse. And, you know, really his motto in this world is, it seemed like a good idea at the time. So in in the theater world, you you know, you create a character um, almost, you know, you read a script and then you create a character around the script. Did you create the character first or the story? Well, Iggy is based not on me. I was perfect. I was a poli- polite and well-mannered and never caused anybody a moment's worry. However, I married a guy who was incredibly, appallingly wicked when he was a little kid. Um, between the ages of 5 and 12, he really accomplished some impressively terrible things. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that at every family party, the children would gather around my husband and beg him to tell these stories of his dreadful deeds. And they'd laugh and they'd look at him lovingly. And after about 30 years of this, I began to get a little miffed because after all, I'm a children's book writer. And And you're very entertaining as well. exactly. Especially in front of kids and author visits. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I felt like, come on, they should be gathered around my knees adoringly and laughing at my every word. And so I did what authors have done since the beginning of time, I stole all my husband's stories and decided to write them myself so that I will be surrounded by children laughing and looking adoringly at me, which is the whole purpose of my life. So the the events pre you know predated the character, but the character that I built around Iggy, he's the only kind of person who could do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. He's got to be this kind of person who doesn't think about what's going to happen after this m- moment that he's currently living. He's got to be the kind of character who believes that you can only have as much fun as you are willing to get hurt. He's got to be the kind of character who thinks, oh, this is a good idea. I'll just do it. So character is derived from event, and the events are stolen from my husband. I like that. And he won't see you either. No, he can't. All right. There you go. I feed him. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been visiting a lot of schools on book tour with the Best of Iggy. And I heard that earlier today at one of our local schools, you have a badometer. Yes, I do have a bad armor, a scientific instrument for measuring badness. Yes. I like this. Should everyone have one of these? Well, a couple of schools I went to, the, there was one where the principal was standing in the back of the room. And as I was leaving, he said, I got to get one of those. <laughs> I think he was going to use it for the kids. But yeah, every family should have a badometer. Um, it's about four feet long. And on one end, there is a paragon of goodness with a halo. And on the other end um, is just the depiction of the, the diabolical child. Um, and But there is a the important point about the badometer is that there is a very long distance between those two because there are gradations of bad. I mean, one thing that I'm really trying to um, develop is the idea that there are things that are only slightly bad, and then there are things that are really severely bad that you're really sorry for. But there's a big distance difference between those two things. And um, I want, I'm I'm developing moral nuance here. A philosopher friend of mine who read Iggy calls it applied moral theory. So that's really what I'm up to here is applied moral theory. And the badometer is just the means of measuring 
various uh, various episodes. That's very deep. I like that. Yes, indeed. I'm very deep. I'm a very deep author. I know that. I know that. So I think it's funny because a lot of the kids um, this month, because you'll be signing lots of books for us in just a little while, um, in our subscription box service for Reading by Box, we'll be getting Iggy this month. Excellent. And um, I think we'll need to encourage them to make their own badometers. Yes, I think a badometer can be made pretty easily. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do it with almost anything, paper, rope, anything. I see so many craft projects in the future. Yes. All right. So let's um, go on to some of the fun questions that, um, uh, well, tell us first, do any kids ask you any crazy fun questions? Have you had any really interesting questions today or things you love to answer? I had one of the best questions I've ever had on this tour for Iggy. You know, I went through the whole discussion of the badometer and then I read a bit from Iggy and then this kid raised his hand and he said, so where are you on the badometer? Ooh, talk about applied moral theory. I didn't know what to do. I thought of all the wicked things I've ever done in my life, but then I tried to think of a few good things I've done and we, we just couldn't figure it out. Basically, I ended up in the middle, but maybe that was wishful thinking. Maybe that's simply because I'm in charge of the measurement. I just don't know who to give the badometer measuring too. Well, you stole all the stories from your husband. Bad. I way on the bad end. Yeah, but on the other end, they're good stories. <laughs> so that's on the good end. That's Kids are too. laughing. I don't know. You don't know what to do with this stuff. It's very, It was a very deep philosophical question. I like that. Yeah, I had to go home and lie down afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe for the next uh, the next visit, you may have to actually put your name somewhere on that right. bedroom and show them where you are. Yeah, well, it might have switch with it. every day. Uh, you know, that would be interesting. E- each too. each stop on the tour could be a new bedometer reading. <laughs> what have I done now? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you some more fun questions. What is your favorite kids' book of all time? Well, I was thinking about this recently, and I was thinking about kids' books that that. Very, were very important in my development. And I have to say that one of the books that was most important for me as a as a reader, as a person, um, is the, one of the very first books I ever read, which is an ancient, ancient book called Bennett Cerf's Book of Laughs. Mm-hmm. It was a book of riddles published in about 1955, except when I read it, I was only six years old and I didn't know it was a riddle book. So I spent days trying to figure out what this book was about. And it was stuff like, what did one wall say to another wall, meet you at the corner? But I didn't really understand that those were riddles. I thought I had entered this wonderful world where walls talk to each other. And I couldn't understand what was that, what the book world was. Why was it so different than my world? And it gave me this idea that books were magical and transporting and somehow transcendent completely unrealistic to the book itself, but it was still an incredibly important influence in my life. But more recently, you know, it's things like, um, I got to say, Harry Potter just kills me every time. Love those books. Read them over and over and over again. And, um, you know, there's there's just there's just so many wonderful books. So, but I would say Bennett Cerf's Book of Laughs continues to perplex me and interest me. That I mean, there must actually be a lot of ideas for stories in a book like that, right? With just riddles. I mean, I bet you could come up with a, walls talking to each other. Is yeah. a whole story right there. Well, if you take literal riddles literally, yeah. literal littles literally, <laughs> you, you find yourself sort of not just confused, but filled with amazement and wonder. So yeah, sure, it's the opening of the fantasy doors. Maybe that was where it all began, my fascination with books about magic yeah. and stuff. That could be the, you know, the central germ. Mm-hmm. So what uh, do, do you or did you read aloud books to your kids, especially Harry Potter? 
I did. I read all the Harry Potter books to my kids. My husband suggested that maybe he would like to read those to the kids. And I said, you will not. Get away. Don't touch those books. I get to read them. Mm-hmm. But I read to my kids a lot. Um, and it was it was very self-indulgent of me that we had this rule that if that one of the kids asked me to read, I would pretty much drop anything and do it. So great. I got out of so many chores for so many years. And I got to sit there and read picture book after picture book after picture book. And then we moved on to chapter books. I tried to get them to keep on letting me read to them even when they were 15, 16, and 17. But they kind of rebelled against that after a while. And I was forced to go on by myself. But yeah, I love to read to my kids. I could do that all day long, which is partly why I have the job I have, because it gives me an opportunity to read to groups of kids. Mm -hmm. What could be better than that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Occasionally, even in the bookstore, we find ourselves reading stories out loud to each other when they first come in on your release day. (laughs) That's always exciting. Yeah. You got to find, corral your- much older than 16 or 17. (laughs) There's always time to read aloud. Yes, I agree. (laughs) And uh, what, um, oh, what is your favorite kid's book you wish you had written? Oh, there's a book that just kills me. It's called Drowned Maiden's Hair by, I think the last name of the author is Schlitz. And when I was reading it, I spent the whole time going, making this noise. Oh, and that was a noise because I wanted so badly to have thought of this idea. It was so fantastic about hip, fake hypnotists uh, sort of kidnapping a young girl. Oh my gosh, I wish I'd written that book. I would be so proud if I had written it. Maybe I'll steal it someday, but that would be bad. Yeah. Badometer. <laughs> Here we go. Way down to the other end. <laughs> what is your favorite food? My favorite food. Mm, you know, I make this just incredible chocolate cake. I have to say it's my favorite food. What's so fantastic about this chocolate cake is that it's, you know, regular chocolate cake batter and stuff, but into the batter, you put lumps of unsweetened chocolate. And so the cake bakes up around the lumps of unsweetened chocolate. And when you eat the cake, you know, the cake's cooked, it comes out. It's got these chunks of chocolate inside it. It's so good. Oh, Gosh, I wish I had some right now. I'd share it with you. I, I was going to say, so yes. this is not a question on my list, but my next question is, will you bring some next time? Well, I will. If I mean, I only make it about twice a year because it's okay. so hard. But if I had a piece right here, Thank you. I would give you half of it because I want to be on the good end of the bad I was going to say, you just yes. moved to the yeah, other no, end of the bad I'm trying. I'm trying to get over the oh. stealing. My impulse to steal should be counteracted. That's good. Yes, yeah. I think that's true. What is your least favorite food? Garbanzo beans. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I don't mind them when they're mushed into hummus, mm-hmm. but I hate that thing where you put your teeth on a bean and it's hard. Is and it then the you, pop? It's the pop and the mush. Mm. Mm. Okay. Ooh, I don't like that at all. Not so hot <laughs> on kidney beans either. I don't yeah. like three bean salad. You, it doesn't sound like you like any beans at no, all. No, I, I, I won't. I'm not going to cancel out okay. the whole category. All right. All right. That's okay. What's your favorite vacation spot? Well, Venice. I'm going to go with Venice, which is so great because you just can sit in the window and look at the boats go by and you don't really have to do anything and it's incredibly beautiful. When you travel, do you do you think of more ideas when you're traveling than you do when you're home trying to write? Oh yeah, because I see things that are new. Last year we went to Ireland and there are these, um, well, I guess you'd call them things in a, muse- a museum there, bog people, people who were thrown in peat bogs several thousand years ago, and they've sort of turned to leather, but you can still see what their their faces looked like. And I got so many ideas for books because they were really spooky. They could, like, the bog people could wake up and start slithering around town. That would be a great story. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> Next book. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what will Iggy do in Ireland? I don't know. Yeah, extract a bog person. <laughs> Throw somebody into a bog, maybe. <laughs> but what are your plans um, for future books? Do you have any ideas or do you have things in the works? Or I have already written the second book about <gasps> Iggy. Um, it features an absolutely unbelievable event that is 100% true. Ooh. And I'm not going to say any more except that thing is green. Keep your eye out for a green thing green. that seems unbelievable. Okay. Absolutely happened. I can prove it. It sounds very exciting. Yes, it is extremely exciting. <laughs> so in visiting all these kids at schools all over the country and um, meeting kids in bookstores, what, uh, what kind of advice would you give to an aspiring young writer? Well, I feel like there's so many ways to be a writer. You know, there's... There are writers who didn't read when they were kids. There are writers who didn't start writing until they were 70. There are writers who write the end of the book first, which I can't believe. There are writers who write on airplanes, which I also can't believe. So really the only thing that I can figure that applies to every single writer I know is that a writer reads. A writer reads books. A writer reads books to understand language, to understand story, and also just because it's dang fun. And other than reading, I really don't think there's any one unifying factor, but reading is the thing that brings everybody together. And whether you read, are reading a comic book or whether you're reading War and Peace, I don't think it matters. It's just having a real uh, connection to story that is the, the de denominator of all writers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have so many books to sign today. We are very excited to dig into the best of Iggy. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear it because my signature is extremely beautiful. I, I, I've seen your signature. It is really nice. You can't read it, but it's very pretty. I do enjoy it very much. Mm -hmm. So we're going to sign lots of books, and we hope you will all pick up the best of Iggy from Penguin, Penguin Young Readers Group. And uh, we thank you so very much for being here today, Annie Barrows. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. When you're a reader, you're a leader. You're ready to learn about everything as you grow. You'll show this world that you can be anything. You could write a book or fly a plane, build a house with a giant crane. Whatever you do, one thing will be true. There's nothing you can't do. You can see it through just by being you. Thanks for listening to our Reading Bug Author Visit series. We'll be back with all new story adventures later this spring. So be sure to submit your story ideas to us at talkback at readingbugadventures.com. The Reading Bug is a family-owned independent bookstore in California. We are passionate about engaging, entertaining, and educating children with an emphasis on creating personal connections with kids. Please consider supporting us and our podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash readingbugadventures. Shop for millions of books at thereadingbug.com or subscribe to readingbugbox.com for perfectly personalized books delivered to your doorstep every month. Thanks for listening. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. 
That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.